Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today's September 24th, 2019. Oh, my head hurts, man. I am so burned out on this mess. <laughs> Been doing game film all day long and following Buccaneers news for the past couple of days. We'll get to that a little later. We got some media bashing we're getting ready to do. Getting ready to drop the hammer on these nitwits. But do want to cover the game film. What do you want to do first? The game film. All right, let's do it. Get that out of the way. And again, third week in a row, what we saw was basically what was on the film. Okay. Craziness. Never had this happen before. There were a few things. I really wanted to see what the breakdown was in the secondary, why they were able to get so much yardage on us in the second half. And I'm going to be straight up with you. I have no idea how they won this game. Have no clue. I sat there and tried to figure it out. I couldn't do it. Like how you game plan. So it wasn't all like short little passes or a similar route. Or no. They, it, they weren't picking on anyone. No. We were by far the better team. I mean, we manhandled those guys. We out-physicaled them, out-played them, out-coached them. It was all around. We were just better. Now, it came down to Gay missed that kick. That is the reason why we lost that game. Point blank. No getting around that. Now, you can no, – no matter – who you dislike, you can point to them and say, oh, they made this mistake. That could have cost us the game, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, it was Matt Gay missing that kick. Everybody else did their job all the way up to that point. Matt Gay missed that kick. Other than that, our team played fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Our offensive line was top-notch, man. I mean, we were just beating the mess out of those guys. Dotson's been getting some grief. Yeah, of course. Wow. Uh, Dotson messed up once. Uh a couple times, maybe. Uh, Marpet messed up. Donovan Smith messed up. Uh, Kappa messed up. But it, they weren't disastrous mess ups. They were, you know, what you would expect. You know, all offensive linemen are going to get beat every now and then. And that's what these were. These were just basically what you would expect. You're going to even see that happen with the Patriots, the Saints, the Cowboys. I mean, their offensive linemen get beat every now and then, too. But when you combine them all together, all these. You know, when you compare the getting beats and the beating people, we beat them. Our offensive line beat their defensive line. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a question. I think we gave up. I would say one sack was the offensive line's fault. Any what? He had four. I can't remember. Was it four? I think so. Three or four. Because we sacked Jones five times. Well, our offensive line played very well. The run game, we were killing them. Our offensive line was just. I don't think our running back just got hit behind or at the line of scrimmage all game. Our wide receivers played well. Our tight ends played well. Everybody played well. And we had some top-notch performances out there. I mean, Shaquille Barrett, I got the video done. The video should be out by the time you hear this podcast. Go check it out on YouTube. Shaquille Barrett was one of the best defensive performances I've ever watched. I mean, the sacks he got, they were nice. But, I mean, he was in that guy's face the whole game. He got a couple of good run stops. He was, and he he wasn't just beating Nate Solder, the left tackle. He beat everybody on the line. I mean, and he's done that for three games. You know what I thought about today is that he's on a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make a killing, and if he goes to free agency, oh no, if- his his agent is talking with them now. You can guarantee you that. <laughs> and and we're talking seriously about, hey, we need to resign this guy. Yeah. Yeah, elite. 
He's elite. He's hiding the behind Von Miller this whole time. You know the Broncos don't have a sack yet. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's here's Shaquille Barrett with eight. Good lord, who would have thought that that we were going to come into this season? Everybody was worried about our offensive line. That was the weak spot. They played well. Every week we seem to have something we complain about a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's why I was talking about last time. Uh-huh. Week one, it was Jameis Winston needs to go. Week two, it was where's O.J. Howard and where's Mike Evans? And now week three, it's the kicker. So we're not consistently bad in any area. We're bad in one area, fix it. Another leak pops up. I think that's always the case. It's always going to happen. Uh, you're never going to have a team that just plays perfect in all yeah. parts of the game. And you got to remember that this is a brand new team. We got a lot of new players. We've got the new coaching staff. You know, we got new systems, both sides of the ball. For them to be playing this well is incredible to me. But that Shaquille Barrett is just, he's just dominant. He's got, I can't even count how many moves he's got. You know, usually these, these pass rushers, will have a few moves that they're really good at. This guy does everything. I mean, he's doing everything. He's got he must have a Rolodex three feet deep on moves. He's doing moves I've never seen before. This one where he shoots his leg out, he does that little I, you saw it in the last video. You haven't seen this video, but he where he I don't know, he kicks his leg out to the right and takes his real long step. It's really funny looking, but he gets around guys with it. I've never seen it before. I mean I'm sure somebody's done it, but I, I've never seen it. Shaquille Barrett, yeah, he just played lights out. Uh, Vea played good. Not as good as I would want, of course, but uh, Sue played good. Nassib played good. Bo Allen played good. Nacho played well. Levante David played good. He had one mess up that... Oh, that cover when he was in coverage? Yeah, he the, the one where Ingram got the touchdown. That was Levante David's fault. I'm pretty sure. I mean, this defense is extremely hard to read. I mean, it's not hard to read as far as the the quarterbacks doing their man coverage stuff. But the rest of it, you don't know what they're supposed to be doing. It's very, very difficult to read. But Levante David, from what I can interpret, if you watch the video, uh, he messed up on that coverage on Ingram. He should have dropped back further in his own coverage. And, but then it wasn't all David's fault. Because Edwards came up and missed the tackle. Oh. Yeah, it was really, Edwards really messed up there. And then uh, as uh, Ingram was running down the sideline, Hargreaves was over there. And instead of tackling him, he engaged with the blocker. So old Mike Smith defense. Yeah, old habits die hard. Yeah. Minter played well. Everybody played well. There's nobody on the team that I could say they screwed up or they were the weak link or anything like that. Except Gay. You know, he just... Missed the field goal by a few inches. Boom, boom, there it is. You know, we did have that one play where Josh Daniels ran it in for the touchdown. I think we were at the 12-yard line or somewhere in there. You know, and that was – and that just seemed to be what happened with them. It wasn't that they beat us. It was just things just happened right for them. Because what was going on was Vea and Sue did a stunt, and Vea went to the left of Sue – Sue was going to the right, and the guy that was blocking Vea, or was originally blocking Vea, I think it might have been the center or the right guard, I can't remember, just happened to get in Sue's way and kind of boxed him in. He wasn't able to get around, and nobody expected Daniels to just run straight up the middle, and that's exactly what happened. He just he saw the hole, just ran straight up the middle. It was a, a fluke play. He wasn't expecting it. And just all of a sudden, there it was. The Red Sea parted in front of him, so he just ran up the middle. Daniel Jones, not Josh Daniels. Who's Josh Daniels? He's, He's, he wasn't he a coach? <laughs> Denver Broncos? I can't remember. Yeah, jo- McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. 
He's back with the Patriots now. Yeah. Hargreaves does need to get a little bit better on his special teams. I'll point that out in the video. I pointed out last week in the video, too. And B.A. actually brought it up. He didn't mention Hargreaves, but he said, we got to stop the gunners. They're getting down there. Well, it's Hargreaves that's not stopping the gunner. So he did have one play where he took the gunner and pushed him out of bounds. The guy went like 10 yards out of bounds and actually got lost in the his teammates on the sideline. <laughs> You couldn't see him and everything. And Hargreaves was like, where'd he go? And then he comes shooting out at the end. Yeah. But yeah, Hargreaves got to put a little bit more effort into his special teams. He's probably pissed that he's having to play special teams. Probably. They actually took him out of the punt return team, the last punt, I think, and they had bunting in in his place, which is probably a smart move. I mean, the guy's not going to perform on special teams. Ain't no sense to have him out there. We're not trying to teach anybody a lesson here. This ain't high school. Yeah, and he's injury prone. We don't want him getting hurt. That's another thing. We are a healthy team. I mean, we, We're beating the crap out of people, though. We are beating the crap. I mean, Cam Newton still don't want to play. <laughs> I'm surprised McCaffrey made it last week. I'm serious. We beat him so hard. Then Saquon Barkley didn't even make it into a half. Yeah, we were beating him up, too. And uh, Daniel Jones... I, a couple times, I don't know how he got up off the ground. There was one, there was that one where Nassib hit him, and you know, with the welcome to the NFL hit, yeah, that sack. Ooh, that was a tough one, man. But then uh, there was one before that where Nassib and Shaq Barrett came and hit him both at the same time and just crushed him like a vice. It was just like, Kush. and seriously, I was like, I don't know how he got up from that one. <laughs> He's young. He hadn't taken enough of those hits. Right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he's still working through his concussions. Yeah. O.J. Howard did real well. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't get the happy feet that much. There were a couple times. I thought he did more this week than he did in week two. Maybe a little bit more. He slipped a little more in this one. But he didn't see a couple people downfield, but not that bad. Only one of them, could you say, was a really bad mistake. It was for a touchdown. He had O.J. Howard wide open right in the end zone. But then we ended up scoring the next play, so it wasn't. Really that bad. And generally, when he had guys wide open, which it didn't happen a whole lot this game, maybe three times, he would end up throwing it to somebody else and making the pass. So it wasn't that big of a deal. But yeah, it just seems like they were able to move down the field just by pure happenstance. You know, it wasn't like the play designs beat us. It wasn't like we were leaving guys wide open. I mean, we did a couple times and they capitalized on it. But it just seemed like things just happened to work out for him, you know, and... and you know, we were tackling well. I think I counted one missed tackle. In a game? Yeah, maybe two. We were tackling well. And I want to say it was Whitehead that missed a tackle. No, no, it was uh, Edwards that won on Ingram. It must have been more. But it did two or three. Three, three max. But I don't have any notes here. I didn't write any notes down, so I'm just going off the top of my head. Mentor had a good hurdle over the running back trying to block him. Donovan Smith played really well. I mean, he got beat, but he, he had... Plays where he was throwing his man to the ground, and he was hustling the whole game, and he opened up some holes. I mean, there was one where he blocked three guys, pushed them out of the way. Well, he pushed his guy into two other guys and pushed all three of them down the What? Line. Playing to that contract. Everybody is playing hard on this team. This isn't the old Buccaneers football team that we've seen for the past 10 years. This is, this is 22 guys out there trying to make plays. I mean, you see them flying around the ball, and they're generally – in great position. I mean, Levante David had some good moves, good reads. But by far, Shaquille Barrett was just phenomenal. He was he was just lights out. It's a shame that the outcome of the game has kind of tinged what Shaq Barrett, the kind of performance that he had. 
not only Shaq Barrett, but Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, the offensive line, the running backs. You could even throw Jameis Winston in there. I mean, yeah, those guys are getting no credit for an outstanding game. And if it wasn't for that loss, Shaq Barrett would have got Defensive Player of the Week again, and Mike Evans would have got Offensive Player of the Week. Dang, but man. Just, yeah, just because of that one missed kick. Ugh. And, and Gay cost me, I lost the... My fantasy football this week because of gay. That's what this really is about. <laughs> I lost Let's be my real here. I lost my point two five points. You are so transparent. Because if gay because gay missed that field goal, if he would have made the field goal, I would have won by what three or four points. But because he missed it, I got a point knocked off. I lost by point two five points. But hey, I don't. I don't. You know, it's going to happen. It, it, it happens to the best of them. All they've everybody's done it all. All kickers have, have missed that game-winning field goal. I mean, who was it? The, the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings didn't miss a kick all year long and then misses a kick in the, I think it was the NFC Championship game. So I would much rather him miss the kick now and not miss the NFC Championship kick. It's going to happen. Okay, can we just talk about real quick B.A.'s explanation for why they took the delay of game? Yeah. And that he said he did it on purpose on the next day. Well, it was it, then he said, "Oh, it was intentional." Well, I think we're going to get to this a little bit when the, the media bashing rolls around. But I think the media took it literally when he said he did it on purpose, intentionally. I don't think he meant they were like, "Oh, well, we're just going to go ahead and take a, a delay of game penalty because we want to move back five yards." No, it was a split second decision. He said that the and this was a weird thing that nowhere on film is that play. That play is nowhere on film. It wasn't on the broadcast version. It wasn't on the coach's version. I know it's very strange. Conspiracy theory. Ugh. I know. But no, he said that the referee was standing over the ball because the defense was making uh, switching some people out and the clock was running down and they realized they couldn't get the playoff in time. So they just went ahead and took the delay of game penalty. Instead I don't, of taking a timeout? Right. They had okay. the one timeout and you know they should have used that. Of course, I mean, B.A. made his mistakes too. We'll get to that in a second. That's going to be along the, the media bashing section of this podcast uh, but you know it was a split second decision they had to make and they were like well you know it's only five yards he can make it from there i mean the, the difference between what was a 29 yarder and a 34 year i mean come on seriously and you know so they were just like that's fine we'll just take the delay game back it up five yards no big deal but the media took it as like he had planned that and so they of course turned him out now molehill I just feel like his initial response at the press conference was he kind of got caught off guard by the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, and I kind of felt like maybe he was cover- trying not to throw somebody under the bus. I got that impression, too. So it could be the refs. He didn't want to throw the refs under the bus because they've gotten enough flack this Yeah, week. because I wanted to see that. I wanted to see if the refs were partially responsible for that delay of game. Because they will sometimes. They'll stand right over the ball while the clock's ticking. It's happened many a times. And then, you know, they walk away and all of a sudden it's a delay of game. But you couldn't see it. They didn't have it in the broadcast version. The broadcast, the commentators were talking and showing some stupid graphics. And then all of a sudden it was, hey, there's a penalty. So you couldn't see what happened. And then in the coach's film, they didn't show the play either. It was just all of a sudden it was penalty and then next play. So don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. So unless they were there at the game and watching and paying attention. But yeah, looking at the coach's film, you know, the, the coverage in the secondary was good. We made some mistakes, of course. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but it wasn't like we were making mistakes left and right. It wasn't, you know, a Mike Smith defense where guys were running around wide open. We had a few busted coverages, but nothing to explain why we lost. I couldn't do it. If you had to point, I I would say, if you held a gun up to my head and say, why did we lose that game? I'd say, God did it. (laughs) 
That's the only thing I could come up with. It's just the the fortune fell in their direction. And I can't pinpoint what it was. Are there any any similarities between this game and the San Francisco game? No, not really. The only similarities would be that our tight their their tight end really did some damage to us. You know, Kittle beat up on us and Evan Ingram beat up on us. Yeah. And uh Greg Olson. And Greg Olson. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said with this game. I said our our linebackers were gonna have to be on point. Those were our, our most important most important positions on the field. I can't remember if we ever had three linebackers on the field. I don't think we ever did. There's usually just two, which is normal. And, and when I say linebackers, I'm talking about Levante David and Kevin Minter now, not Shaquille Barrett and NASA. The the play where he ran, Daniel Jones ran the ball in, that was a fourth down play. It was just extremely fluky how it all worked out. You know, it wasn't it wasn't bad play design on our part. It wasn't good play design on their part. It just happened to work out that way, you know, because Sue just happened to get caught up in some mess and couldn't get around to fill that gap. And it wasn't Sue's fault either. It was all four of them. It was Domicong, Sue, Vita Vea, and the two blockers were all bunched together in like a little scrum. And Sue just didn't get out to where he was supposed to be. But it wasn't his fault. It, it was just very, very fluky. And that that right there, if we would have stopped him right there, which we should have, you know, it was fourth down. That was the the game. If we would have stopped them, we could have just run the clock out, and they ended up scoring that touchdown. But again, right there, there's there's nobody to blame. There's nobody to blame, and you can't even say that the Giants did good there. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden, you know, Daniel Jones looks up and he goes, "Oh crap! There's a there's an open space for me to run." So he took it and ran and made the touchdown. The other touchdown he got where he ran in. Uh, it was kind of one of those where you know nobody was really expecting it a whole lot, but we could have stopped him. Whitehead took the inside. He took it. He thought it was a run, so he went inside. But he realized real quick that Daniel Jones was running, so he stopped and ran after Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones is obviously pretty fast because we had two two cornerbacks chasing him and they couldn't get him. So what I take away from all this is we've got a damn good football team. Damn good. Real good. Our offensive line has gone up against two Probably top 10 defensive lines and done well. They did well against the Giants. So our offensive line is not an issue. We are not going to have problems with our offensive line. As a matter of fact, they're playing pretty mean. You got a couple clips of them. Mugging guys? Oh, gosh. There's one where Jensen and Marpet, uh, one of their linebackers, 53, comes in on a stunt. And Jensen and Marpet see him coming. You can see them both just staring him down as he's coming. And they just put a wallop on him <laughs> on the ground. It looked painful. Donovan Smith is playing up to his contract, if you ask me. I'm really impressed with how well he's been playing. You know, it just his he's playing to the whistle, and he's not loafing. And that's all we ask. So something here, I just feel like the players have bought in. That's, you can tell. Yes, yes. I mean, these guys are out there trying to make plays. They want to win. They want to win. They're not out there just doing a job. Getting a paycheck. Trying to go to the Pro Bowl. They're out there trying to win. You can tell these guys. And when they, they miss a play, they just look devastated. They'll just really beat up. You know, like, dang it. You see it all the time when the, you know, after the play happens, you'll see whoever was at fault there would just be like, oh. And who was it on one of the one of the touchdowns, there was a busted play on the defense. It might have been a two-point conversion. No, two-point conversion. It was man coverage and 33 Carlton Davis got caught up, got bumped off his man. Uh, Levante David saw it, so he tried to get to the to Carlton Davis's receiver. 
but the guy had a couple of steps on him and he was able to get the two points. But there was one, ah, I can't remember, uh, Levante David and I want to say it was Whitehead turned around and started bitching at whoever it was that messed up. And I, I want to say it was Minter, but they messed up in coverage. And so they turned, yeah, after the play, you see them turn around, both David and Minter kind of giving him a mouthful <laughs> or an earful. <laughs> So, well, yeah, you know, we've got a good team. This is a good team. This is a good team. I've said it at the beginning of the year, we are going to compete with the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Taints, the New Orleans Aints, and I I still believe it fully. I mean, even though Teddy Bridgewater's in there, like I said at the beginning of the year, Teddy Bridgewater is is good enough to keep that Saints team competitive, and he showed it this Sunday. Uh, It doesn't matter. I think we are going to be competitive with them, and we're just going to get better. We brought in a quarterback to work out with the Bucks. I saw that. And apparently he's very similar to Taysom Hill. Oh, awesome. What happened So to- Greg Allman was pondering whether they were just going to use him in drills with the defense because he's so similar to mm. Taysom Hill. That's, that's, that'd be smart. Give them some work. Wasn't, who did we have, what quarterback did we Nick have? Nick Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. What happened to him? Injured, I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then we put um, Blaine Gabbert on injured reserve, so that's why we're trying out. And we brought up Pat O'Connor, the defensive lineman, Mm -hmm. or linebacker, outside linebacker. Yeah. I liked him. I did too. Yeah, and you can see, I I pointed out in these videos, I think the most time that Daniel Jones had to throw was 2.8 seconds. Wow. Yeah. You can't hold the ball on us. You cannot stand in that pocket three seconds. You can't do it. It's impossible. And we are getting to these guys in a second and a half sometimes. Wow. Yeah, you can't. If you go back and watch the 49ers game, the Carolina game, and the Giants game, none of those quarterbacks held that ball longer than three seconds. None. You can't do it. Vita Vea and Sue are going to be at you at the quarterback while they're carrying their blocker in two and a half seconds. A couple of instances of that I point out on the video, too. <laughs> how, how often are they double teaming? Vita and or Sue. A lot. Yeah. A whole lot. Vea's not doing as good as I expected from him. He's not playing bad by any means. Uh, and he's getting, both of them are getting great push up in the middle. I mean, that pocket collapses so quick. The front of it just moves straight back. And I want to really see Vea be more fierce like he was at the tail end of last year. And I'm wondering if both Vita Vea and Dama Kong Sue are conserving their strength for the later half of the season. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they're not playing bad at all. Right. I mean, at all. Any team out there would take both of those guys in a heartbeat. Well, you know, that was a criticism of Sue last year is that he took the season off till they got to the playoffs and then had an outstanding playoff run. Well, we honestly, we don't really need them to do any more than what they're doing because Jack Barrett and Nassib are tearing the edges up. A lot of it, the reason why they're getting those pressures and hits and sacks is because quarterbacks can't step up. I mean, when those sides close in, yeah, there's nowhere, nowhere to go. go. There's nowhere to go because you've got offensive linemen sitting in your lap in two and a half seconds. So we've got a really good team. I'm still sticking to my 10 and 6. I'm actually more confident in it now than I was at the beginning of the season. They always say that in order to be a champion, you have to win game at least one game that you should have lost. We just lost a game that we should have won. I think that's going to extremely, extremely amp our team up. Because they're going to have that mindset of we can't make mistakes because we played lights out and we still lost just because of one mistake. 
So they're starting to realize how important not making mistakes are. Uh, penalties? I mean, they're almost non-existent now. Yeah, it was awful. That first game and this last one, we had like three for 25 yards or something. Right. Remember everybody complaining yeah. at the beginning of the year about that? And it's like, what? ain't nobody complaining now, are no. they? No. You know what they're complaining about? Let's talk about some media a little bit. You know what they're complaining about? What? These bimbos. And we talked about this in the... In the instant cast. And I, I was saying it jokingly that, oh, they're going to be blaming the coaching staff. Guess who they're blaming? Yes. The media is blaming Bruce Arians. That's pure insanity. Insanity. One, these guys are tackling. And they're tackling. They're tackling so hard, they're knocking guys out of the game. We're not missing tackles. Like I said, I, I think I counted three, maybe. These guys are in position. We don't have wide open receivers running around. We've got guys out there making plays, wanting to make plays. We have the sack leader of the NFL on our defense. We had a 190-yard receiver, three touchdowns. Yes, You know, if, if people oh, – I'm just I, – I can't understand that level of stupidity. Now, I can understand people complaining about Arians, you know, getting the, the, the delay of game penalty. You know, and he had – last week he, he called two timeouts in a row, blah, blah, blah. I was just thinking about that. Maybe it's the staff because of the staff is too big or is so big that sometimes communication can break down like that. It's possible. I don't think yeah. Bruce Aarons has ever played with this large of a staff. Yeah. And so they're still probably working out some kinks there. But if you're going to blame this game, no, this game was lost because Matt Gay missed a kick. Point blank. You can't blame the team. The team played well. I mean, of course, there were some mistakes. People messed up. It's going to happen in every game. If we would have won this game... All you'd be hearing is about how great our team is. That's all you'd hear. And how Arians has them, you know, worked up and they're they're playing well. And they're, you know, we'd be two and one. And that's all. So the only difference is a foot, Gay's foot, and the foot he missed on the kick. That's the only difference. And that difference right there is supposed to make Bruce Arians a bad coach? Oh man, you gotta be shitting me. We talked about this in the offseason that this was gonna happen. Here's what's happened. The media loved Gerald McCoy. Loved him. He was their go-to guy. He was their insider in the locker room. He gave them quotes anytime they needed it. They loved him. They loved him. And if you don't think the media is biased in their access, because they're all access media. You know, we've talked about this. They are dependent. Their job is dependent on getting access to players and quotes and press conferences. If you don't think that they're biased towards who's going to give them media access, go back and look at what happened with Shiano. You know, Shiano restricted the media access to those guys, and they lamb-blasted him. The media went after him for two years until they ran him out of town. They had the whole fan base foaming at the mouth to get rid of him. I've never seen a fan base hate a coach as much as they hated him after only a year, two years. And people were just like, oh, he's horrible. He's a bully. He's mean. He's a monster and all that. That all came from the media. All of it. They came, they jumped on him about Demersa. They said he was wrong about Josh Freeman. Said he ruined the Josh Freeman, but then come to find out later. No, that wasn't the issue. Greg Schiano did everything he could to try to help Josh. And Josh shit all over this organization. He burned the bridges as he walked out. The media just went after Shiana because Shiana wouldn't give them the access they wanted to the players. Shiana was very strict in who could access his players. They hated him when he came in the thing. I've got plenty of proof of that. This, the Tampa Bay media hated him. All, the national media, all media hated him. 
So if you don't think they're biased towards people that give them access and stuff towards their accessibility, then you're insane. When when Bruce Arians got rid of Jared McCoy, the local media had a meltdown. Go back and look. They were all whining and crying and complaining. And we said on this podcast, me and Molly said, they are going to try to run Bruce Arians out of town. Now, the first chance they've gotten. And this is ridiculous to try and blame that game on Bruce Arians. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He has changed this team into a powerhouse. I'm telling you, man, we're a contender. We are a contender. If if we didn't have anybody but Shaq Barrett on our team, we'd be a contender. But we got him and a whole bunch of really good dudes. We are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And these people want to blame Arians. And when I say these people, I mean all of them. The Tampa Bay Times just crapped all over Arians. Uh, Joe Buck's fans, they crapped all over Oh, immediately. Yeah, Rick Stroud. Uh, Pewter Report. I didn't listen to theirs. They're all of them. It was almost like they got together and coordinated and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to blame the coach. Well... You get in press conferences with people that you know and you have a rapport with, and one person asks a question, and then the next person asks a question that kind of expounds on the first one, and soon enough, you've got kind of a narrative going amongst the reporters. Uh, Lee from Joe Buck's fan asked Bruce Arians if he had thought about throwing a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal, trying for a touchdown, because they had 11 seconds left and one timeout. I thought the same thing when I was watching the game. But then again, I was like, when he went to go kick it, I was like, well, that makes sense, too, because, God, it would be absolutely terrible if we had a turnover or something bad happened. I mean, just kick the field goal, get the game over with. Made sense to me, you know. But the media, has they just immediately attacked Bruce Arians, which is insanity. It's insanity. It is. It's delirium. I, I, don't, I don't even know what else to call it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's like they don't even watch the game. It's like they've got this. They've got everything pre-scripted, and as soon as they saw the chance to attack Arians— and ownership, and like, I mean, that whole front office and, and coaching is getting just blasted. I think that what's happening with the Bucks, these close losses like this, have been endemic for the past, the recent past. And so whenever it seems to be going that way, they kind of pounce on it like, oh, this is familiar. This is what we've oh, seen yeah. before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, this is totally different. This is totally different than what we've seen in forever. I mean, this was a dang good team that played dang good football. Things just didn't go their way. One bad kick. Well, you can say three bad kicks, but the kick that mattered, that was it. That was what lost us a game. Nothing else. Nothing else. You know, I'd also like to point out you're not blaming Matt Gay. You're you're blaming the kick, not Matt Gay. (laughs) No, but really, you keep saying it was because of a missed kick, not because of Matt Gay. Well, There's an know, important distinction there. If he does this continually throughout the seasons, then we'll start blaming him. But, yeah. you know, he can't jump on the guy. I mean, he's a rookie. That was a lot of stress. He was in a hostile environment. Thank you, fans. Hey, let's start filling that stadium up. Let's give our team a, a helping hand there. Yeah, so the Tampa Bay Times, our favorite idiot and house resident over there, Thomas Bassinger, he wrote an article, like, immediately. Here's the title of the article. The Buccaneers-Giants Aftermath. Blame Bruce Arians, not the kicker. That was the title. What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with them? Joe Buck's fan on the Ira Kaufman podcast. Lee said, quote, this is a clown show of an organization, end quote. Ira Kaufman called the team a dreck. Rick Stroud was laughing and mocking the team on his podcast. I mean, I I get the impression that the media is giddy, that they're happy. They're like, oh, we we got Arians now. We got him. 
simply because he got rid of their golden boy, Gerald McCoy, who they're all trying to push to get in the ring of honor and all this good mess. They don't care about football. They don't give a crap. Uh, Thomas it's Bassinger. Job. Yeah, it's a job. It's a job to them. They don't care. Thomas Bassinger is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He hates the Bucks. We closed down the bet on his dumb ass. Now, I can understand there might be people out there, fans and stuff, that say, oh, Aaron screwed up. You know, he he uh, he got that delay of game penalty. He did it on purpose. He moved the ball back. We could have thrown for a, tried to throw for a touchdown. Uh, we could have tried for a touchdown instead of the, the field goal earlier in the game. That would have made it a, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you could say. But Arians did not lose us that game. That play calling did not lose us the game. As a matter of fact, Arians doesn't even do play calling. He did one play call that he admitted he shouldn't have done. He should just let Byron Leftwich continue running the ball. I mean, we ran the ball like 60 yards down the field, got down on the four-yard line, and then got stopped. And you could say, yeah, yeah, there's some there's some mistakes there by Bruce Harris, but damn, look at the team, man. Look at this team. I know. it's We haven't seen a team like this no, in years. No, in a decade. We have not seen a team play like this in a decade, and that's Bruce Arians' team. So we can't be screaming at them and telling them they suck and Mm-mm. the coach sucks, and that's not – gonna help anything that's gonna take energy away no no it hurt man it hurt i was i was sick to my stomach i mean it was a great game it was very entertaining to watch but it hurt to lose and it hurt to lose like that and i was mad i was angry i had to go calm down all that good stuff i think that's such a dude thing the anger (laughs) you know you have to calm down like me i was just like oh well you know that's a pretty good game anyway it took you about two or three hours to get there it was an hour i timed it (laughs) (laughs) i went in the bathroom and cried (laughs) Work through it. <laughs> Work through it. But no, this is a good team. I mean, God, I just, as a fan base, we can't let this happen. You know, what they're doing, this is the media, and it's the national media, too. I mean, they're talking crap about us, and they're all laughing at Bruce Arians about this, you know, the kicking stuff. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The guy missed the kick. That's what happened. You know what happened before that? We were 28-10 at halftime, okay? They ended up getting the lead with a minute like a minute and 16 seconds left. And we said, yeah, screw that. We went down the field in a matter of seconds. We went like 80 yards down the field and then missed the kick with no time left. It was the missed kick, everybody. It was the missed kick. It was nothing else. It wasn't Perriman dropping the ball. It wasn't Jameis Winston throwing an interception. It wasn't somebody missing coverage. It wasn't Shaq Barrett getting four sacks. It wasn't Mike Evans getting 190 yards. No, it was the missed fucking kick. And it's no big deal. It's It hurt. We lost a game. We lost a game we should have won. It's probably going to come back and bite us in the ass at the end of the year when we're shooting for that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But instead, we're just going to have to settle for a wild card spot or something like that. It was the missed kick. It happens. It sucks, but it happens. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen again. No way on the planet was it coaching. No way on the planet was it anybody on the team except for the kicker. So to let this narrative get built up and they're getting the fan base into a frenzy and, you know, I'm seeing people already calling for well, everybody's been calling for Matt Light saying that didn't like him. But, you know, there's people talking about getting rid of Arians already. Jason Light, you know, and they're, they're blaming ownership and all this. Stuff. I'm just like, God, please stop. How is that helping the team? It's not. It's hurting the team. Yeah. And that's what we got to remember about these media people. They don't care. They don't care if we win. They don't care if we lose. Matter of fact, they like the losses because it gives them something to write about. And they get all these clicks. So, you know, I, don't listen to them. They don't know anything. I don't even think they watch the games most of the time. Yeah, Lee from Joe Buck's fan really pissed me off when he called the uh, the Buccaneers organization a clown show of an organization. He's been saying that. And then what else did he say? Oh, 
Remember all off season, he was like, "We need a pass rusher. Yeah. We need a pass rusher. Yeah. We oh, need yeah. to address gonna, the pass rush." He was going to quit supporting the team, quit the podcast and the website and all that stuff if we didn't draft a pass rusher in the draft. Yeah. So we might have the best pass rusher in the league. Statistically, right now, we have the <laughs> we best have pass rusher in the, the league. The best pass rusher in the league that we didn't pay a fortune for and we didn't have to waste a high draft pick on. And what does Lee say? He says, well, they they address the pass rush, but nothing else. <laughs> like, he has said this is the most glaring hole on our team for, like, three years. That's all that he's been squawking. Right. And now that we address it, he said, yeah, but what else did you do? Yeah, well, here, let's talk about the media a little bit more and how good they are at prognosticating. Joe Buck's fan were huge on Johnny Manziel. They pushed for him. They even made a website for him. They wanted the Buccaneers to draft Johnny Manziel. Thank God they aren't in charge of anything important. Rick Stroud wrote an article that was picked up by the national media at the beginning of the year saying, Gerald McCoy is staying with the Buccaneers. Emphatically. He said, Gerald McCoy's not going anywhere. These guys are wrong. They're never held accountable. You know, the the, the coach wants to make a split-second decision, and it turns out to be not a very good decision. And they want to land blast him, run him out of town. Talk about blaming him. Yet when they screw up, it's just, oh well. Yeah, not anymore. We're here to make sure that they are held accountable too. I would like the fan base to start holding them accountable just like we hold players accountable. I mean, if they start calling stuff out like the coaches, we should stand up. No, no. You know why we lost that game? We lost that game because a guy missed a kick, threw a field goal by a foot. That's why we lost that game. No other reason on the planet. If anything, you could say the fans hurt that game more than Arians did. I mean, it was it was it was all Giants fans in that stadium. There were hardly any Buccaneer fans. I got pictures that people were posting that were there at the game, and they were like, "This is a home field for the Giants." There were stories coming out about how Giants fans were just so obnoxious in the parking lot because they were just hooting and hollering and all that good stuff. There was actually a story about a another. Buccaneer fan who got threatened to be stabbed by another Buccaneer fan while they were watching the game. All this stuff. You know, it's just like the fans are are not pulling their weight. Buccaneer fans are not pulling their weight. And we don't need these. You know, we got to get our crap in order before we can let these people who want Johnny Manziel and claim that Gerald McCoy is going to be here when he's gone. And they think Gerald McCoy is the greatest thing that ever walked on planet Earth. We're going to let them tell us stuff. Tell us how to think about this team. No. Uh-uh. All right, I'm sure there's a uh, plenty of stuff I wanted to talk about that I'm going to remember after the podcast is done. So we'll we'll throw that in Friday. I just get so worked up with the media, you know. It's just so much garbage. We got the Rams game coming up. We're going to have the preview. Molly's going to do the know your enemy on that one. That'll be Friday, and we'll have two days worth of injury reports. So it's amazing and in how injury free our team is. I know it's incredible to me that nobody's pointing that out. Look at all the other teams in the league; they're falling apart. It's week three. We had, what, six new starting quarterbacks this week because of injuries? Yeah, I mean, our team is extremely healthy. No, we're doling out all the injuries. We're hurting people. Reminds me of the old Buccaneers defense. <laughs> so we got that that game coming up. Excited about it. I'm really I'm ready to get to this it. taste out of my mouth. A win would really shut a lot of people up. It'd feel good, too, man. The last one was great. No, that was against the Panthers. That's, yeah. always, that's always special. Yeah, it is special. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since we've had one of those. That was a long like time a ago. It was like three one. weeks ago. I know. Yeah, we start our horrible, horrible schedule now. 
where we're away. But, you know, we don't ever get home field advantage anyhow. So, you know, playing at home doesn't mean anything. You know, we might as well play in London. We probably got more fans over there that think they go to the game. What could we do with a home field advantage? You know? Yeah, it's a Imagine huge... Imagine how much better they'd be. Yeah, it's a huge advantage when you've got 50,000 people screaming. That's a huge advantage. So their off- offense can't communicate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it more difficult for the other team. And we haven't had that in a long time. And that's got to be discouraging for the team. Yeah. Why play hard if you don't have any support? One thing I do like about how the media is jumping on Arians, I do think, like you said, that the team is bought in and they're going to rally behind him because they don't want the media talking shit about him. So they are going to play hard for him. For him. Joe Buck's fan said, or Lee said that he had heard the players don't like Joe Buck's fan. Yeah, I heard that on the podcast too. Yeah. And he was like, I don't really care because yeah. I'm not trying to make friends with him. Right. Really. Which, you know, I mean, as a reporter, that's how you're supposed to be. I, I think Joe Bucks fan, I do think that the, the, the two Joes are the hardest working guys in the media, the mm-hmm. local media, by far. And those guys really work hard, but I think they've gotten tainted. They've gotten... I think they just have a bad attitude. Well, ever since they started the Joe Bucks fan site, I think it was 2009, we've sucked. And, you know, they put in a lot of work. And, and they get more traffic and, and they make more money when we win. I mean, that's just how it works. You know, when, when you win, you get more fans and people are more excited. And when you lose, people are frustrated. They don't want to have, they want to take a break and all that good stuff. So they want the team to win, logically. But I think that they've gotten tainted over a decade of just covering this mess, you know, and being a part of it. So I think they've become very pessimistic. And it's a, it's a bias they're writing. They need, to, they need to snap out of that. They're a fan site. I know they they might disagree with that. I think they they kind of no. It's right there in their name, Joe Buck fan. Yeah, yeah. That's a fan site run by journalists. So they need to you know, start worrying more about trying to do what they can to help the team, not hurt the team. They always call Ray J the den of depression. Yeah, I don't like that either. I don't either. Turn it around. Right. If everybody thinks negative, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have a crappy team. We need to change our mindsets about the team. Mindset. Yeah. Get that gorilla mindset going. <laughs> um. All right, so we're going to have another podcast out Friday covering the Rams preview. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to see what Molly's going to come up with. I'm excited about the game itself. This is going to be the first elite team on our schedule. People would have said three weeks ago that the Carolina Panthers were the first elite team, but... We knew better. (laughs) We broke them. I know. We broke the Panthers. We might play the backup in London. Yeah. Well, we made the prediction at the beginning of the year. I said Cam Newton wasn't going to last the season. So I'll take that. And Ron Bears out at the end of the season. Oh, absolutely. Now it's yeah, no it's, question. Yeah, you never know. I mean, this is football. They could. I don't come think back he'll make it through the season at this rate. Ron Rivera. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. If they keep well, they did beat Arizona. So. Yeah, but. That's Arizona. It's Arizona. <laughs> uh, wait till they go up against some hard teams. Yeah. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us. If you want to check out the video, go to the YouTube. Search for Buccaneers Observer. We're the only ones that I know of. <laughs> so, there might be another Buccaneers Observer out there, but don't click on it because it might be porn or something. <laughs> <laughs> or do, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever floats your boat, man. Well, until next time. Go Bucks.